Hey, hey there. So today's episode might be a little triggering for some, so just want to put that little disclaimer out there as we start this, because this week we're talking about, let's stop talking about how fine we are, because we're not. In a world where everybody is talking about how messed up it is and acknowledging mental health is a real thing, then why aren't people doing anything about it? Because I can tell you it's a thing. And it's not just for those that are homeless or strung out on drugs or clinically insane. No, it's applicable to you and me. So why aren't we doing anything to change that? Let's talk about that today. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kelly Ray. I'm a mindset coach, counselor, notably known as the inner critic tamer, and I am passionate about helping others just like you and me who have survived things perhaps we don't like to talk about, but we know we want to to be better for ourselves because it's good for our kids and their kids to come. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I like to say, undo that crap that happened to you and continues to keep you maybe somewhat stuck and teach you how to heal from it in order to live the vibrant life you were designed to live. And during this episode, we're going to be talking about why mental health is a problem and why it's more common than we think. Okay, so where do we begin on this big topic? It's funny because when these topics come in my mind to talk about, I get super passionate and excited about it, then realize how gigantic the topic is and wonder the best way, the best avenue to go to put it in bite-sized relative terms along with some suggestions on how to manage whatever topic being discussed that week. And this week's topic is no different. Mental health is a ginormous topic and quite often one that gets looked over because many have been conditioned to believe it's reserved for those with big quote-unquote issues. But let's look into that today, okay? Great. Mental illness is a general term for a group of illnesses that may impact a person's thoughts, perceptions, feelings, and behaviors. Mental illness can affect working relationships, work, relationships, and even physical health. Mental illnesses are common here in the United States, as they are around the globe. Nearly one in five U.S. adults live in a mental health illness state. 59 point, I'm sorry, 52.9 million in 2020. Mental illnesses include many different conditions that vary in degree of severity, ranging from mild to moderate to severe. And I have no doubt these figures have increased significantly over the last two years. Mental illness can vary in impact, ranging from no impairment to mild, moderate, and even severe impairment. This would include things like stress, anxiety, worry, depression, to PTSD, schizophrenia, and suicide, to name a few within the ranges of mild to severe. Anxiety and depression are the most common problems, 
with around 1 in 10 people affected at any one time. Also, post-traumatic stress, also known as PTSD, often only thought of with regards to military soldiers, is a condition that can develop as a response to people who have experienced any traumatic event. This can be a car or other serious accident. This could be physical or sexual assault, natural disasters such as bushfires, floods, and yes, even global pandemics. Even still, with this high of percentage of mental health conditions happening, people still are not reaching out and receiving help. Why? The number one reason you'd think was because they don't have mental health services or funds to pay for the help. But that's just not the case. It's due to judgment, doubt, pride, and other factors. So, so let's look at those for a minute. Number one, judgment. A huge roadblock for those struggling is fear of being judged by others. More specifically, being seen as weak. Being in a time period where people are sharing and posting their wins, victories, or successes on social media platforms can be quote-unquote perceived by the ones struggling as if they must be weak if all these others are thriving. I say perceived because typically this is the story that we tell ourselves even if it's not fact or real. I can honestly tell you that was one of my number one reasons for not asking for help for years. And as a result, I suffered dearly. I not only suffered, but those who chose to remain around me suffered as well. At the end of the day, seeking help for mental, emotional health or any health issue for that matter, should never be seen as weak. It's actually quite the opposite. Let me ask you something. Have you ever known someone who broke their leg and skipped out of receiving any kind of medical attention at all? What was their outcome? Did they heal properly? Did they suffer in the process? Did their way of living improve quicker? or slower as a result of not receiving help? Or what if your infant child was sick with fever, sweats, diarrhea, and vomiting? Would you get them help? Would you go and see what was wrong with them? Would you want to know if it's something they'll get over in a week or something that requires more treatment? Of course you'd do that for your infant child. You wouldn't hesitate. But we hem and haw around our own mental and emotion, our own mental and emotional unwellness because of the stigma associated with it, still even in 2022. What if we didn't call having stress, anxiety, bouts of depression, or panic attacks mental illness? although technically it falls under that umbrella of care. And just like a cold or influenza or cancer, 
there's different degrees of unwellness and treatments to go along for them. So why do we stubbornly refuse to receive help for our feelings and thoughts that overwhelm us or cause us to be aggressive, angry, teary, or fearful? Maybe this next one will shed some light on you. Number two, doubt. Another obstacle that prevents people from seeking help is their doubt that it will work. Often based on bad experiences they've heard about or maybe experienced themselves. We may all be humans in theory, but we all learn, heal, and experience things differently. Talk therapy, for instance, may work for some, while others' forms of cognitive behavioral therapy may work for others. There are far too many variable treatments that have been highly successful in helping others, many of which I use when working with my own clients. But unfortunately, some people have had a negative experience with one treatment or another or have known someone who's had a negative experience. And all you've ever heard is it doesn't work, then why would you even give it a shot? Maybe it's this next one. Number three, pride. Sometimes pride poses an interesting challenge as well in that people have a hard time admitting they need help and surrendering to the treatment process. Sometimes people think they should be able to solve their problems without any input from a professional. There is a stigma against mental health, and many people don't want to think something is quote-unquote wrong with them, even though, ironically, if they're suffering, the help could make them manage their stress, anxiety, depression, etc. better. Other people feel that looking at events from the past will be painful and upsetting, which sometimes is true. Again, however, it seems more logical and healthier to address the past events so that they don't keep having a negative influence on your life rather than continue to repress or deny the events, which brings up the next one. Number four, fear. Another primary reason people avoid getting help is the fear they harbor, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of who they'll be without their anxiety, stress, depression, etc. Fear that they may outgrow their friends, family, and loved ones. People also seem to be very afraid of feeling their feelings and being judged. Vulnerability is hard. And a counselor or a coach by nature requires you being open honest and vulnerable. Look, I can only help you as much as you're willing to be honest and open about what we're working with. If, if these treatments are to be effective and helpful, which does not necessarily come naturally. One thing I hear repeatedly from my clients is, I can't believe I waited so long to do this. I was so afraid of what I would learn about myself. Now, I wish I had done it way sooner because this wasn't nearly 
It wasn't bad at all. I can't believe I waited so long. Number five, misinformation. And finally, people forgo asking for help because they're misinformed or base their opinion on someone else's experience. The model that may consider to be used even still today for dealing with one's mental and emotional wellness is that of someone laying on a couch, telling a therapist, sitting in a chair their problems. This model leaves many concluding it's a waste of time and ineffective. And I can't tell you that this model or this vision of way of how things work couldn't be further from the truth. It may have been what was previously used, but like everything else, when there's more knowledge gained, then advancements take place and helping others with their mental and emotional wellness has significantly improved over the years. Thank God. Thank God we're no longer doing lobotomies. At least I don't believe we are, which was a surgical procedure that severed nerve pathways of the brain. This was used for patients who suffered from schizophrenia, schizophrenia, manic depression, bipolar disorder, and other mental illnesses. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? We've made great advancements from that. Now we have things that we've figured have worked and improved having to do these type of archaic treatments. And they've even advanced beyond that. Because there seems enlarged to still be a lingering stigma around mental health and asking for help, many are missing out on truly living a vibrant life. Left to believe they are the only one who deals or doesn't deal with stress, anxiety, depression, worry, etc. I gotta tell you though, You'd be surprised how many people in your own circle, community of friends or family who have reached for support or help for something one time or another in your life. We just aren't talking about it. And if we are, it's because someone you know seems to always quote unquote air their dirty laundry on social media and you judge them for always being a mess. It's funny. We'll share our mechanic's phone number, our hairdresser's number, our realtor's number, but God forbid we'd share our counselor or coach's number with someone because after all, what would people think of me if I did? This type of mentality hinders the wellness of others, in my opinion. This is also the same type of mentality that teaches our kids that it's not okay to ask for help or at best only ask for help that doesn't make you seem like you're crazy. Yes, Johnny, you can ask me for help with your homework, but don't you dare ask why I'm crying or mad all the time. That's personal. We don't talk about that. How many of you have heard something like this in your lifetime? On the flip side, we're starting to see more and more people share their stories on social media. Stories of going through something, then coming out the other side after being willing to get help. The beautiful part about coming out the other side is you want to help others. You feel so good about yourself that you want to help others who are struggling with what you 
once struggled with. I know this for myself. It's one of the main reasons I became a counselor mindset coach was because of my own sexual abuse and rape I went through when I was younger. More importantly, after years of silently suffering and blaming myself for being unlovable, unwanted, and feeling merely like a sexual object rather than a whole human, when I finally reached my rock bottom, I was forced to see someone. My rock bottom consisted of driving in heavy commute traffic on the freeway, going through one of the most dangerous curves in my town, and momentarily not knowing how to drive a car or even knowing where I was in the moment. Not going to lie, it scared the hell out of me. I didn't know what was happening. This caused me to go to my primary care doctor who suggested I take Prozac and see a counselor to which I retorted in a panicky voice, I'm not crazy. And I was right. I wasn't crazy. But I was suffering from severe depression, from unresolved issues around my childhood sexual abuse. Although, I didn't know that what was happening. I thought I had dealt with it all. By apparently, but apparently I hadn't because I was coming out in other ways in my body. In this case, momentarily causing me to not know how to drive a car or even know where I was. And when I say dealt with it, I mean I grew into an adult and moved away from people or places where these violators lived and that's it. No telling anyone what happened, no talking about it. No looking within to see how I felt about any of that because you were just supposed to pull up your bootstraps when things got tough and carry on. Can I give you a little tidbit of info right now? Your feelings and emotions don't give a crap about your bootstraps or how high you pull them up. They just don't carry on. They lay dormant and rear their head throughout your life known as triggers and cause you to feel all kinds of things you don't want to feel so you try stuffing or hiding them again until the next go-round shows up. Just saying. But I digress. Going back to my doctor and him wanting me to take a medication for, in my opinion, craziness, I thought I'd rather die than be humiliated. For no one in my family or or anyone I knew of ever had taken crazy medication, or so I thought. Funny how we label and assume things, right? I honestly can't remember being told taking a certain medication for being crazy because honestly, I don't even remember knowing specifically what a quote-unquote crazy person was except for what you saw depicted on TV, and I certainly didn't want to seem like that. After having a heavy sobbing meltdown in my doctor's office, I begrudgingly started taking the medication. In silence, because no one could ever find out, and I started seeing a counselor. Turns out, I didn't lay on a couch. They didn't lord over me, asking me, now how does that make you feel? or any of the stereotypical stuff we see portrayed on movies or television. She felt more like a concerned friend who had valuable wisdom. 
someone who helped me regain parts of my innocence that were brutally robbed from me at a very young age. She helped me rebuild my confidence in myself. She helped me define boundaries and rebuild trust with myself and others. She helped me tap into my own strengths. She helped me to feel alive and hopeful again. This was not a one and done session. It was a process and one I will never regret growing through. More importantly, as a result of going through this process, I was able to quit taking the medication. So now let's talk about knowing when to ask for help. For most of us, asking for advice or help on planting a garden is easy peasy. But as shared earlier, asking for help is a whole other ball game when it comes to emotional issues. If I'm being transparent with you, I'd much rather you ask sooner rather than later and not find yourself driving in a heavy commute traffic through a dangerous curve and not knowing how you're doing it or where you're at. What I know is if I had reached out earlier, I would have worked through all of that sooner. If I had reached out earlier, I wouldn't have continued feeling like a failure in my marriage that resulted in divorce. If I had reached out earlier, I wouldn't have felt like the only thing I was good for was my body. If I had reached out earlier, I wouldn't have settled for such shitty jobs because I didn't think I could do any better. If I had reached out earlier, I would have been helping others sooner. But because I didn't, I unknowingly wallowed in sadness that caused me to doubt myself, to not trust others, and secretly eat ho-hos every time I was emotionally triggered. There are options available, such as a trusted family member or close friend. Yes, but sometimes the things we're going through could actually be associated with them, making that not the ideal situation. And quite honestly, it's not fairer to your family or friends to be put in the place of counselor or coach because they want to support and love you like a family or a friend, not as someone who's trained to help you move past things that are causing you emotional discord. So when should you ask for help? Here's some examples. When you're feeling low or sad, being tearful often, struggling with self-esteem or confidence, having feelings of guilt, struggling to feel motivated to do anything, want to make some shifts in your life but not exactly sure how to, struggling with making decisions, Struggling with not enough sleep or maybe too much sleep. Having unexplained aches and pains. Yes, our body houses our emotions and if suppressed, they can show up as aches and pains and even illness. Here's something to ponder on this one. A stagnant body nurtures a stagnant mind. An active body nurtures an active mind. And the last, feeling suicidal. 
And I want to share, I'm not a suicide expert. So I often, if, if I feel that somebody is potentially suicidal, referring them to their primary care doctor or have them contact the suicide hotline, which I'll give you that number right now if someone's feeling that position. It's 800-273-8255. I'll share that one more time. 800-273-8255. What I know is when we don't feel well emotionally, it can feel like we're alone. And as though nobody has ever felt the way that we do before. They're not feeling, nobody we know feels this way. But that's not the case. Our mind would like us to believe we're all alone and that no one gets us or cares. But that's a falsehood, a flat out lie. And it's a falsehood that needs to be shattered. I have one more section here I'd like to cover, and that is seven reasons why asking for help helps. Number one, develops relationships. When we share personal information, problems, and successes with others, it's a way to connect. It makes us relatable to one another. People who are willing to share information are seen as more trusting, friendly, and warm. Like I shared earlier, I was so resistant to go into counseling, but as soon as I started feeling better, I had no shame sharing with others. Having felt so crummy for so many years, I was willing to help anyone avoid feeling those feelings. So I was more willing to share how they could feel better too. Number two, a sign of a high performer. This seems to be the latest buzzword these days. So what's a high performer? Basically, it's someone who's willing to do what it takes to achieve their goals or dreams. They are the type of person who takes initiative and are willing to grow. They're willing to seek advice to identify and improve their blind spots or weaknesses. This is someone who has learned that asking for help has saved them time energy, and frustration. Number three, it improves resilience. Asking for help allows us to surround ourselves with people who can make us feel good and facilitate further development. These people create optimism and hope that we're able to deal with challenging situations, which improves our resilience. If we're able to ask for help and obtain feedback, we can overcome setbacks and grow. Key traits needed to enhance resilience. Number four, two heads or more are better than one. Having someone else or a team around you can enhance effort levels, help you elevate yourself up. For example, having someone to bounce ideas off of and strategize positive outcomes makes things seem even more possible. Having someone help you work through emotional challenges such as stress, anxiety, or depression can provide useful tools for the future when those moments of stress, anxiousness, and sadness approach. 
The company we keep matters as well because you may not need a counselor coach for your day-to-day operation, but the people you surround yourself with have a huge impact on your mental and emotional wellness long-term. Number five, develops growth mindset. Help from others can be acquired in the form of praise and feedback, which can facilitate better performance. One study looking at a group of nine to 12 year olds found that children who were praised for their intelligence were more likely to choose tasks that made them look intelligent in the future. However, children who were praised for their effort were more likely to choose tasks that would allow them to learn new information. How amazing is that? I'm going to let you on another little secret here. It's okay to praise yourself. It's okay to be proud of your achievements. It's okay to celebrate that you're willing to ask for and accept help when you need it. Number six, improves mental health. Key to improving well-being is feeling connected to others and learning new things. In fact, growth is one of the six basic human needs we have. On the flip side, isolation or reluctancy to ask for help or support can lead to worry, doubt, and stress. Number seven, other people see it as a good character trait. Author Brene Brown once wrote that vulnerability is courage in you and inadequacy in me. This quote demonstrates how we believe that others see our vulnerability as a sign of weakness, but the truth is almost the exact opposite. Others think our vulnerability as a sign of courage. Here's another interesting tidbit of information. There was a study done on the way vulnerability is viewed. When people were asked to rate their own vulnerability, or another person's vulnerability, it was discovered that people perceive their own vulnerability in a much more negative way than the one shown by others. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. We all love a hero's journey, right? We relate to their struggle or hardship on some level, and we cheer like mad when we see them come out the other side stronger and more confident. This brings us to some final thoughts as we wrap up this episode. We all have our own hero's journey. Not one of us has not gone through something difficult or challenging. Not one of us has walked a flawless path. Some of you have felt triggered over the last couple of years and find yourself grappling with old feelings, emotions, and struggling with your mental wellness. Some of you may be feeling stuck in the middle of your journey and not sure how to move through the next phase. Some of you have experienced sudden shifts in work, health, or relationship status and could use some support in navigating this phase of your journey. If this is you, then I encourage you 
with the words that are, I'm going to paraphrase them from the song by Pink. Don't let you get you. You're your own worst enemy. I believe you have too much vibrant living to do to be weighed down with things like stress, anxiety, depression, doubt, etc. So I encourage you to reach out for help and tackle those thoughts and feelings that trigger those emotions that are hindering your mental wellness. Again, you would do that if if it was something with your physical body. So why not? This is part of your physical body. Whether it be with me or someone else, be willing to at least have a conversation to see if you feel comfortable. Not every coach counselor will be a fit. And the only way you'll know is by having a conversation with us. Speaking of asking for help, at this point, I could use your help. Word of mouth is the best advertisement. And if you found this episode or any of the others I've done helpful, would you be so kind and subscribe and share with others? Because with your help, we can help others as well. And if you'd like to connect with me, I'd like to share some ways that you can do that. On Instagram, it's Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. Kelly Ray is spelled K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. On Facebook, it's Dr. Kelly Ray B. B is in brown. My website is drkellyray.com. And if you want to email me, it's drkellyray at gmail.com. Until next week, please know, as always, I send you so much love.